Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Augusto Adone entered the master bedroom where his eight-year-old son, Lorenzo, slept, confined to his bed and reliant on a feeding tube. Lorenzo's mother, Michaela, had dutifully cared for him all day, and now it was Augusto's turn to watch over the boy. In the winter of 1986, this had become their routine. Augusto caressed Lorenzo's shoulder. Seeing his son like this put him close to tears. Only three years ago, Lorenzo had been a precocious five-year-old boy who spoke three languages. He loved opera and Greek mythology. He had a round, angelic face adorned with a charming smile. Lorenzo was charismatic enough to get away with anything, and he knew it. But the boy's life changed when he fell ill with adrenoleukodystrophy, a little-known disease that took away his hearing and sight, as well as his ability to move, swallow, and speak within a matter of months. Now, his parents cared for Lorenzo 24-7 in their Fairfax, Virginia home. They read to him, played his favorite music, and tried to make his life as comfortable as possible. Doctors told the Adones that Lorenzo had two years to live, at most. There was nothing they could do to save him. But that was something Lorenzo's parents wouldn't accept. And on this night in 1986, as Augusto watched Lorenzo in bed thinking about all the medical research he'd done, inspiration struck. Augusto suddenly had an idea that would change the course of modern medicine. An idea which, to this day, is hotly debated. But Augusto was a father, and he'd try anything to save his son's life. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life-or-death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. 
Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle. Next week, in part two, we'll analyze all the evidence and try to find an answer. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. This is our first episode on adrenoleukodystrophy. This rare genetic disease came to global attention thanks to Lorenzo Adone, a young boy who was diagnosed in 1984. This week, we'll explore the early years of Lorenzo's diagnosis and follow his parents' frantic search for a cure. Next week, we'll learn how Lorenzo's parents caused controversy in the medical community and how Lorenzo became a household name thanks to an Oscar-nominated film. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. For some, the five stages of grief start immediately after a grim, fatal diagnosis. It may feel like your world is literally collapsing as you sit in front of your doctor receiving the news. Even more devastating is grieving for your own child after they've been given mere years to live. However, even in the darkest of circumstances, a glimmer of hope can survive. After all, there is nothing more determined than a devoted parent. And there were none more devoted than Augusto and Michaela Adone. Their son, Lorenzo, was born in Washington, D.C. on May 29, 1978. Augusto and Michaela Adone knew right away their son would be special. He was a gifted child with a cherub face and a mischievous smile, and his parents believed he would grow up to be a genius. After all, Augusto and Michaela were geniuses in their own right. Augusto was an economist born in Italy who traveled the world aiding developing countries. Michaela, a publishing editor, was granted a Fulbright scholarship in her youth to study in Grenoble, France, while teaching English to locals. With such an educated lineage, it's no wonder that Lorenzo was bilingual in Italian and English by the time he was three years old. His natural gift for languages continued to serve him when, in 1980, Augusto moved the family to the Comoros Islands in Africa. As an employee for the World Bank, Augusto accepted an assignment to create an economic plan for the small French-speaking nation. Lorenzo picked up the local language quickly thanks to a teenager named Umori. In exchange, Lorenzo, who was just a preschooler, helped him with English. He was a natural at making friends in his new home. While meeting local children for the first time, the three-year-old spoke his first full sentence in French. C'est moi le chef, suivez-moi. Translation, I'm the boss, follow me. Michaela was astonished and a little embarrassed at the child's bossy confidence. But that was Lorenzo. He was a natural-born leader, completely comfortable in his own skin. 
Michaela described her boy as a whirling dervish combination of con artistry and fair play. Lorenzo knew that he could charm anyone he met, especially his older half-siblings from Augusto's first marriage, his brother Francesco, who he called Dado, and his sister Christina, who he called Nina. Michaela is quoted in the Washington Post article, Fatally Ill, as saying, He was so beyond my dreams that I said thank you practically every day. The unusually bright child even enjoyed opera. The Washington Post article, In Pursuit of a Miracle, notes a day when Augusto asked if he was enjoying Pavarotti on the radio. Lorenzo replied, Papa, you mean you don't know the difference between Pavarotti and Placido Domingo? The family lived on the island for three years. According to the article, Trying to Will a Miracle by Michael Ryan, Lorenzo spent much of these years sailing around the islands in his father's boat, watching dolphins and wild monkeys in the lagoons. When Lorenzo wasn't on the water, he was reading Greek mythology and listening to classical music. It was an idyllic life for an exceptional boy. However, five-year-old Lorenzo's idyllic life changed when his family moved back to the outskirts of Washington, D.C. in 1983. Teachers at Lorenzo's Montessori school notified his parents that he was having trouble concentrating and was throwing tantrums in class. Augusto and Michaela couldn't believe the teachers were talking about their mild-mannered Lorenzo. But Lorenzo was soon having daily tantrums at home as well. He became angry at the slightest thing and wasn't shy about kicking and screaming in public. The outbursts often left the child exhausted. His parents thought the behavior was due to Lorenzo adjusting to his new life in America. This wouldn't be that unusual. According to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, Moving can be difficult for children, particularly those in kindergarten, which Lorenzo was entering at this time. A child who is emotionally affected by a move can experience depression, irritability, social withdrawal, and other mood and behavioral changes. But his temper wasn't the only thing changing. Augusto recalls trying to teach Lorenzo a puzzle game outside of school. The usually bright Lorenzo was too confused to understand. After that, Lorenzo started slurring his words. This again was all chalked up to the move since he was transitioning back to speaking only English. After three years of speaking primarily French on the Comoros Islands, people joked that the slurred speech was just him becoming Americanized. But on Christmas 1983, Lorenzo fell off his bike. A week later, he fell again in his room. He was having an increasingly hard time with his balance and coordination. So Augusto and Michaela brought Lorenzo to a neurologist. The doctor ordered a CAT scan and said there were no irregularities in Lorenzo's brain. He assured the Adonis Lorenzo was a fairly normal four-year-old boy, perhaps just mildly hyperactive. Hyperactivity refers to an abnormally high state of activity, often present in those with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. 
A child with hyperactivity could be constantly fidgeting, have trouble concentrating, or have problems with quiet activities, such as reading. But reading was something Lorenzo excelled at, sometimes doing it for hours at a time. His parents thought the hyperactivity diagnosis made no sense at all. What the Odones didn't know was that the radiologist that administered the CAT scan did notice abnormalities in Lorenzo's results. However, the neurologist ignored these findings. Then, within four months of the CAT scan, Lorenzo started having strange lapses in memory. Augusto had to lead Lorenzo to his classroom every day because Lorenzo couldn't seem to remember where it was. He also continued to have trouble with his balance. His symptoms resembled those of a stroke victim. Psychologists even suggested that he was brain damaged. Soon after the memory lapses began, his parents asked his teachers to be on the lookout for any strange behavior. The teachers reported back that Lorenzo was often unruly or disoriented and couldn't follow lessons. They suggested he might have an auditory processing problem. Michaela also noticed Lorenzo's auditory difficulties. Lorenzo told Michaela that he didn't want to go to school anymore because he didn't like how noisy it was. According to Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Medical Center, having trouble with noisy areas is a symptom of audio processing disorder. Children with this kind of disorder have trouble remembering directions, focusing in loud rooms, or telling the difference between similar words such as cat and hat. Around this time, Lorenzo got the flu. When his mother was reading to him, he interrupted her and asked if she could read louder. When she obliged, Lorenzo said he still couldn't hear her. Michaela called her husband, telling him that there was something wrong with their son's hearing. Alarmed, Augusto left work and raced home. Doctors couldn't find anything wrong with Lorenzo's ears, but it was clear that he had sudden and extreme hearing loss. His parents were directed to Dr. Donald Fishman, one of Washington's top neurologists. Fishman noticed irregular formations in Lorenzo's brainwaves. These results and Lorenzo's symptoms reminded Dr. Fishman of an article he had read about a devastating disease called adrenoleukodystrophy. Also known as ALD, it was largely unknown in the medical community at the time. According to Augusto, Fishman himself wouldn't have even known it existed if it wasn't for the single article. First recognized in 1923, ALD is a progressive genetic disorder that affects the spinal cord, adrenal glands, and the nervous system. ALD attacks a protective sheath that coats the brain's neurons called myelin. When the myelin is destroyed, neurons become unable to control the body's muscles or central nervous system. Simply put, the brain loses its ability to tell our arms to move or our mouth to swallow. According to the STOP ALD Foundation, ALD affects one in 18,000 people. In the beginning stages, childhood ALD first presents itself behaviorally, like Lorenzo's temper tantrums. Then, as the disease strips further away at a person's myelin, they become blind, deaf, and paralyzed. 
it usually turns fatal within two to five years of diagnosis. While ALD is very rare, Lorenzo's symptoms fit the description. Dr. Fishman quickly admitted Lorenzo to a children's hospital for testing. If he did have adrenoleukodystrophy, time was of the essence. After being admitted to the hospital, Lorenzo's blood samples were sent to Dr. Hugo Moser, director of the John F. Kennedy Institute for Handicapped Children in Baltimore. The Columbia graduate, born in Bern, Switzerland, was the leading authority on ALD. Working in their lab, Dr. Moser and his wife had created a blood test that could diagnose the disease in 1981. Prior to this test, ALD was diagnosed with an adrenal biopsy, or more commonly, with an autopsy. In April 1984, a month before Lorenzo's sixth birthday, Dr. Moser's test results on Lorenzo's blood came in. Dr. Fishman sat Augusto and Michaela down in a windowless room. With a matter-of-fact tone, Dr. Fishman simply said, It's ALD. It's neurologically progressive, and children survive on an average two to three years after diagnosis. Augusto asked if there were any exceptions, to which Dr. Fishman replied, no. He told the parents that Lorenzo would lose his ability to walk, his sight, his speech, and soon, his life. ALD in children is essentially a death sentence. Augusto and Michaela knew everything Lorenzo loved. Playing with friends, opera, reading classic stories of heroes and villains, all of this was about to be taken away from him by his own body. Of course, he didn't know that yet, but his parents did. Their brilliant Lorenzo was supposed to grow up happy and achieve great things, but now it seemed he wouldn't get the chance. Augusto called his daughter, Lorenzo's half-sister, Christina. His voice trembled as he gave her the news. The doctor told us to go home and pray. There's nothing to do. Meanwhile, Michaela was on the phone with every priest and friend she knew, asking them to pray for her boy. Augusto and Michaela couldn't accept the horrible diagnosis and sought a second opinion. They went to Dr. Moser directly, and he confirmed Lorenzo's fate. Further blood work showed that Michaela was the genetic carrier of the disease. It was likely this wasn't the first case of ALD in Michaela's family. They later found out that her uncle, who died in his 40s due to unknown causes, probably suffered an adult form of the disease. Michaela was horrified that her own genes had delivered the devastating condition to her son. But if it was her body that gave Lorenzo the disease, Michaela decided that her mind and spirit were going to end it. Where other parents may have resigned themselves to their grim fate, the Odones thought that may be what happens to everybody else, but not to our kid. Coming up, Augusto and Michaela hit the books to find a cure for Lorenzo. Now, back to the story. In 1984, weeks before his sixth birthday, Lorenzo Adone was diagnosed with adrenoleukodystrophy, a rare disorder that attacked the young boy's brain. 
Children usually succumb to the disease in two to five years, but Lorenzo's parents resolve to save their son's life. In the essay, Lorenzo, Augusto recalls one day soon after the diagnosis when he brought Lorenzo to the town pool. Lorenzo had loved swimming before his diagnosis. He jumped into the pool excited to play, but Augusto soon realized Lorenzo was no longer his old self. He had completely forgotten how to swim and splashed helplessly in the water. Augusto had to hold Lorenzo the entire time they were in the pool as one of his son's favorite activities became a thing of the past. In the pool's locker room, when Augusto's back was turned for just a moment, Lorenzo wandered away. Augusto searched everywhere but couldn't find him. He called Lorenzo's name but got no response. Luckily, another man found Lorenzo and brought the crying boy back to Augusto. Lorenzo was confused and disoriented. He hadn't returned at Augusto's frantic calls because he couldn't hear them or anything else. The disease had almost totally deteriorated his hearing. Augusto tried his best to give Lorenzo a normal life, but everyday activities became more and more difficult. One day, he brought Lorenzo to a football field where neighborhood kids were playing soccer. Lorenzo used to play the game back in the Comoros Islands when he was a healthy boy full of energy. But now, ALD had caused muscle spasms and the loss of his fine motor skills. Lorenzo couldn't stay upright for even one quarter. Lorenzo could only watch the other children play, wishing to join in on their game. He broke down in tears, knowing something was wrong, but not understanding what. Augusto, heartbroken, cried along with him. They returned home, where the walls were now padded to protect Lorenzo. He was losing his balance and falling down so much that it was all they could do to make sure he wouldn't hurt himself. The disease was progressing faster each day. ALD's rapid development is related to the body's inability to remove excess amounts of very long-chain fatty acids, or VLCFA. They are a chemical found in most bodily tissues. While healthy people have VLCFA, males with ALD accumulate too much, which creates degradation in their myelin. It's unknown exactly why this occurs, but when the excess amounts of VLCFA strip myelin from the brain neurons, it inhibits the patient's ability to eat, comprehend language, move, and breathe. The disastrous effects of excess VLCFAs in ALD only present themselves in men, as the ALD gene is linked to the X chromosome. Women are born with two X chromosomes, as opposed to men who have only one. Since women have two, usually one ALD-affected X chromosome is balanced by another healthy X. Since men do not have a second X, their ALD gene runs rampant in their body. In order to help lower the excess VLCFA levels in his ALD patients, Dr. Hugo Moser created a diet that limits a person's intake of red meat and other saturated fats. 
While it wasn't always effective, it did seem to help some patients' VLCFA levels stay within normal limits and slow down ALD's progression. Lorenzo hated this diet, often crying over the foods he could no longer eat. And after about two months of being on it, he had no change in his very long-chain fatty acids. His parents asked Dr. Moser if there were any other treatments that they could try. The article, In Pursuit of a Miracle, by Carla Hall, notes that the genius Lorenzo could tell something horrible was happening to him. But his parents didn't know what to tell him. The disease was progressing so rapidly, they couldn't predict how it was going to affect him day to day. They tried to console him without scaring him. They insisted that Mommy and Papa were going to help him beat ALD. But inside, Michaela and Augusto were growing increasingly frustrated. As they watched their son's body and mind erode, they decided to take his life into their own hands. They began researching ALD on their own in the hopes of finding a cure. They asked every doctor or researcher they could find about the disease. One resident doctor dismissed their questions, saying to not bother looking into ALD because the literature on the condition was scarce. Which was true. As we mentioned, Dr. Fishman only knew to check Lorenzo for ALD because he happened to read an article about it. He estimated that only 50% of neurologists even knew about the disease at the time Lorenzo was diagnosed. According to Trying to Will a Miracle by Michael Ryan, ALD had only been seen in about 1,000 American families. The lack of knowledge about ALD was the reason Lorenzo was initially misdiagnosed. In fact, Lorenzo's initial diagnosis of hyperactivity wasn't so unusual. The most common misdiagnoses for ALD are Attention Deficit Disorder and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, a.k.a. ADHD. Other typical misdiagnoses included vision problems, epilepsy, Asperger's syndrome, and even brain tumors. If the doctor had only told the Adones there wasn't much information on ALD, it may have deterred them. But that wasn't all he said. According to the BBC News, when Augusto asked if he could read medical papers on ALD, the doctor said, don't bother, you won't understand them. That was the wrong thing to say to the Odones. It was true that as educated as Augusto and Michaela were in their respective fields, neither of them had any sort of medical training. But what they lacked in medical expertise, they made up for with strong wills and an unflagging love for their son. The dismissive comments sent the Adonis to the National Institutes of Health's library with a medical dictionary in hand. From then on, when she wasn't caring for Lorenzo, Michaela spent her free time there, whereas Augusto used his lunch breaks to visit the George Washington University Library. They read about ALD during the day and met up at home to share their findings, bouncing ideas and research off each other well into the night. They hounded their biochemist friends with questions, hoping to understand the complex words and phrases they'd never heard before. 
They intensely studied excess VLCFAs and the role they played in ALD. Not wanting to lose their precious son, they thought, what is the enemy in this business? The bad fatty acids. Let's find a way to kill them. After countless nights searching the catacombs of the library, Michaela branched off reading articles that weren't specifically about ALD, but in the same category, storage diseases. According to the National Organization of Rare Disorders, storage diseases are inherited metabolic diseases that are characterized by an abnormal buildup of various toxic materials in the body's cells. Michaela described the disorganized way she zigzagged through articles as something that would make anyone with scientific training cringe. Eventually, she found a Polish medical study that examined genetic defects in rats. Within the English abstract of the article, she learned that the study lowered the fatty acid levels in rats by feeding them different fatty acids that counteracted the ones they were trying to lower. Michaela wondered if this technique could work in humans with high VLCFA levels. It was a theory that the Odones kept in the back of their mind. However, the more troubling thing they had noticed was that the greatest minds studying ALD worked in different fields and countries. All of these researchers labored in isolation and didn't directly share their results with each other. To rectify this, the Adonis formed a closer relationship with Dr. Moser. The family wanted to bridge the gap between ALD experts and asked for Dr. Moser's help organizing a symposium. Maybe if all of these great minds were in one room, it would lead to a breakthrough. Dr. Moser liked the idea, but he didn't have the funds to support such a conference. Augusto immediately took out his checkbook and gave him $6,000. If the only thing that stood in their way was money, it was a small price to pay for Lorenzo. Augusto and Michaela then went to work raising more funds for the event. Thanks to an article about Lorenzo's journey and their fundraising in the Washington Post, the Adones started receiving donations from sympathetic readers. Combined with the generosity of business associates, family, and friends, the funds soon reached $36,000. They were even able to convince two airlines to provide free flights for the 38 ALD experts who hailed from North America, Japan, and Europe to attend the conference. Thanks to the Odone's dedication, on October 20th, 1984, the Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore held the first worldwide conference on ALD. Augusto's co-workers, family, and friends volunteered free rides and food for the experts, with Augusto cooking the final conference dinner himself. According to Fatally Ill by Judy Mann, Doctors visiting the conference hoped to understand the specific defective enzyme that caused ALD. Enzymes are proteins that cause chemical reactions such as digestion and DNA replication. In ALD, the enzyme responsible for breaking down VLCFA doesn't work, and thus the VLCFA rise to dangerous levels. The Adonis took notes in all the lectures, looking for the key that unlocked the door to a cure. Sadly, during the two-day event, 
no great discoveries were made. It seemed like the whole conference was for nothing. However, just when their hopes had nearly been snuffed out, an offhand remark by one of the doctors sent the Adones running back home to save their boy. Coming up, Augusto and Michaela invent a promising treatment. Now, back to the story. After their son Lorenzo was diagnosed with a terminal illness in 1984, Augusto and Michaela Adone buried themselves in medical research to try and find a cure for his disease, adrenoleukodystrophy, or ALD. During their research, they found that the leading minds in ALD research worked in solitude. So they organized a symposium for the brightest doctors in the world to share their findings on ALD and collaborate on possible treatments in hopes of saving Lorenzo. The Adones saw their symposium of ALD researchers as their saving grace. Unfortunately, it looked like the conference was going to be a failure. That is, until Dr. William Rizzo of the Medical College of Virginia spoke about VLCFA, the excess acid that erodes brain function in ALD patients. Dr. Rizzo discussed his findings on oleic acid, a fatty acid which is found in olive oil as well as other vegetables. According to Dr. Rizzo, oleic acid might lower high VLCFA levels. Michaela recalled the Polish study she'd read, which showed dangerous fatty acid levels in rats could be decreased by counteractive fatty acids. Could combining these two studies be the breakthrough? If they could give Lorenzo oleic acid, maybe it would lower his VLCFA levels and bring him back to his old self. However, all Dr. Rizzo's studies had been done in a test tube. While oleic acid worked in that kind of study, he didn't believe it would work on humans. He told the family that they shouldn't try to give it to Lorenzo because it could disrupt his intestinal tract. But Lorenzo was running out of time. A couple of weeks later, around Thanksgiving 1984, he was no longer able to walk. One week after that, he lost his ability to speak. According to In Pursuit of a Miracle by Carla Hall, after losing his speech, Lorenzo found other ways to communicate. He signaled yes or no with dramatic eye movements, a deliberate blink for no, and a dramatic look to the right for yes. Unfortunately, ALD soon took away his ability to move his eyes at all. With Lorenzo quickly deteriorating, Dr. Fishman told the family that he would likely die within weeks. Afterward, Michaela sat beside Lorenzo. She told him to keep fighting the monster wreaking havoc on his body. He had to find another way to communicate. She stepped back and saw Lorenzo wiggled his fingers. These wiggles became his signal for yes or no. He wasn't ready to give up just yet. And neither were Augusto and Michaela. With no other options, they decided to try and find oleic acid. Even if its effects on humans were unknown, it was the only viable solution they had. So Michaela picked up the phone and started trying to track down a source of oleic acid. 
She called chemical companies across the country, but all of the companies hung up on her when they found out she wasn't a doctor. Over 40 companies refused to help her, but Michaela kept calling. Finally, she found a subsidiary of Stokely Van Camp in Columbus, Ohio, that made an edible form of the acid in an oil. They agreed to send it to the family. Because of Dr. Rizzo's warning that the oil could disrupt Lorenzo's intestinal tract, the family needed to test it before they gave it to him. Michaela's sister, Deidre, who moved in with the Adones to help care for Lorenzo, stepped up to the plate. After Lorenzo's diagnosis, every member of the family was tested for the ALD gene. Deidre had tested positive for it and found out that she herself had high VLCFA levels. Since she was a woman, it didn't affect her body like it did Lorenzo, but Deidre agreed to take the oleic acid oil and be their guinea pig. Augusto began cooking all of Deidre's food with the oleic oil. After two weeks, Deidre's blood work showed that her VLCFA levels went down by 50%. They blended the oil into Lorenzo's food immediately. Miraculously, the oleic acid had the same effect on Lorenzo. It cut his VLCFA levels in half, though they remained two times higher than they should have been. The oleic acid's effectiveness impressed Dr. Moser enough to start recommending oleic acid to other patients. Even though the acid didn't alleviate Lorenzo's symptoms, he did outlive Dr. Fishman's prognosis of just a few weeks. The Adones believed the oleic acid was slowing down the disease's progression. Motivated by their success, they continued to search for treatments that could save Lorenzo. Still, while they were slowly making breakthroughs, Lorenzo's health continued to decline. Michaela left her job to take care of Lorenzo during the day, creating detailed lists and instructions for other nurses and medical professionals that visited the house. She was meticulous about the way they prepared his food and massaged his body, proud of the fact that Lorenzo had never once gotten a bed sore so common in immobile patients. If a nurse treated Lorenzo with any ounce of disrespect, they were fired immediately. Michaela's care plans were applauded by every doctor that came to know Lorenzo's story. According to The Myelin Project, a nonprofit organization researching ALD, Michaela dedicated her life exclusively to Lorenzo. She sacrificed any type of entertainment for herself and sat by Lorenzo's side, reading him stories or playing classical music. She caressed him, convinced that he still felt her comforting touch, and sought to make their home as comfortable for him as she possibly could. Michaela courageously watched Lorenzo get weaker and weaker, but never lost hope in her exceptional child. According to Loving Lorenzo by Jerry Adler, Michaela would tell Lorenzo every day, you are special, you are the most important boy in the world. She only took breaks at night when it was Augusto's shift to care for their son after work. Michaela described her marriage as ships passing in the night. People often asked them, why didn't they put Lorenzo in some kind of facility which would care for him without disrupting their lives as much? 
Those people didn't understand that Lorenzo wasn't an inconvenience to the Adones. He was their darling boy, and he became their sole reason for living. Lorenzo was the center of their lives, figuratively and literally. They placed his bed in the main room of the house, insisting that he wouldn't be shoved away, hidden from the world. They believed Lorenzo could still understand everything going on around him and made sure he felt involved in their day-to-day lives. Around a year after the diagnosis, the Adones sent a letter to a family friend back in the Comoros Islands, Umori Hassan, the teen that helped Lorenzo learn French years ago. The letter told Umori about Lorenzo's health and asked if he would come and assist them in taking care of him. Umori immediately agreed. When Umori arrived in America, Augusta warned him that Lorenzo wasn't the same precocious boy he once knew. Even with the warning, Umori wasn't prepared to see the emaciated and emotionless Lorenzo. Umori thought back to the boy that he used to build sandcastles and fly kites with. The prodigy child who helped teach Umori English could now only make involuntary grunts. Umori knelt down and grabbed Lorenzo's hand. He remembered a song that they used to sing together, an island song with words he knew Lorenzo couldn't pronounce. The two used to laugh as Lorenzo messed up the lyrics, inevitably singing gibberish. Now, when Omori sang the song to Lorenzo, all Lorenzo could do was turn his head and wiggle a finger. Umori looked at Michaela. He could tell on her face that she hated seeing Lorenzo like this, but he also sensed a determination in her. Michaela, often referred to as Lorenzo's mother tiger, was going to save her son. Umori decided to help in any way he could. Over the next few days, the Adones explained ALD to Umori in detail, training him on how to care for Lorenzo. Umori made sure to start each day at the Adones' home by coming into Lorenzo's room and greeting him. He knew that his old friends still felt his presence. Every minute Umori was caring for Lorenzo, Augusto and Michaela were researching ALD, though in 1985, Researching such an obscure subject was difficult. Augusta used to wish he had a personal computer, something that wasn't in every home back then. But Augusto kept at it. He knew if they could figure out how oleic acid decreased VLCFA levels, then they could figure out other ways to help Lorenzo. Suddenly, he had an idea. If two different fats which attacked VLCFA were ingested at the same time, Lorenzo's body would be so busy with the good fats that it wouldn't have time to create excess VLCFA. If they could combine the oleic acid with another monounsaturated fat, it was possible Lorenzo's levels could be lowered even more, maybe even completely. Over breakfast the next morning, Augusto told Michaela that he figured out how they were going to save their boy. Michaela responded, Bravo, Papa. You did it even without a computer. In a couple more weeks of research, Augusto found that erucic acid also lowered fatty acids. However, there was a problem. 
most medical literature said that erucic acid was toxic in rats and mice. It might be toxic to humans as well. Their new theories seemed to be a bust until they found a Canadian study that discussed how erucic acid was found in rapeseed oil, a common food in Eastern Europe and India. This proved that erucic acid's toxic qualities had no effect on humans. They went back to the phones to find a company that would send it to them. Unfortunately, no U.S. company had an edible form of the acid. The Adonis expanded their search and eventually found a company called Crota International in England. They spoke to a biochemist there named Don Sudeby, who was wheelchair-bound from a genetic disorder himself. He was close to retiring, but connected with the Adonis' mission to save their son. Don spent the next nine months trying to extract an edible form of erucic acid. He worked 12-hour days, seven days a week. Finally, a batch of the acid arrived at the Adonis' door in December 1986. Lorenzo's Aunt Deidre agreed to be the guinea pig once again. After 11 days of taking the new oil, she went back to the doctor for another blood test. Her doctors called the Odones, convinced that there must have been a mistake. Deidre's levels, for the first time in her life, were normal. According to Trying to Will a Miracle by Michael Ryan, this was the first time in medical history that someone was able to kill very long-chain fatty acids. Lorenzo was close to being in a completely vegetative state, and the Adonis' discovery was the only hope in returning their son to normal. Would the blend of oleic and erucic acid cure him? Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. In part two, we'll explore Augusto and Michaela's new treatment for Lorenzo and how a movie based on the family brought worldwide attention to ALD. But with that attention came widespread controversy, including accusations that the Adonis were nothing more than snake oil salesmen. For more information on adrenoleukodystrophy and Lorenzo Adone, Amongst the many sources we used, we found Trying to Will a Miracle by Michael Ryan extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Medical Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Brandon Rizzuto with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs>